we do hope that you guys will join us after church today. We have some yummy barbecue, and we do have barbecue lentils for all of our vegetarian vegan people. Um, we have been smoking, or not we, Robert and Jordan have been working at the grill all morning, um, smoking the pork. Um, the lentils were not smoked, but created by me, and they're very good. And, um, and there's all, all kinds of sides. And so what you can do is either eat with us or you can take a to-go plate. There's um, to-go like plate options you can take with you. Um, we do have a credit card um, swipe like set up. So if you don't have cash and you want to participate in that. And we're just um, asking like a suggested donation of $8 per meal. So we'd love for you to come. We have lots and lots of food. Um, and, you know, it's a pretty day. It's finally not raining today, which is amazing. So you could actually, you could take, oh, also, also, you, if you'd like, you could also buy a whole pound of that smoked yummy barbecue and take it with you. So if you don't want all the sides and you just want to have it for your week, so you have lunch for every day, then you can do that too. (laughs) Anything else? Does anybody else have anything else I should say? No, we're good. Okay. Um, So, we have been in this book, We Make the Road by Walking, for the last year, believe it or not. And we are about ready to wrap up um, this journey. And so as we, you know, kind of keep in mind um, what this book was about and what the intentions of us doing this together is, really we set out from the beginning to put us on kind of the same pathway and so that we could be involved in listening into the same stories because there's something quite powerful in community when you are with a group of people and your mindset has been focused in on something and we're learning and kind of journeying together. So that was really why we set out to be a part of this. It's called We Make the Road by Walking by Brian McLaren. And I have enjoyed it. If you guys enjoyed listening in, it's been good. So we're actually um, finishing up today and you get to hang out with me. So that's fun. So the last chapter... Um, in this series, it's called Making It Real. And so if you imagine what the stories that we've been paying attention to have been about over this last year, in this journey, there's something quite significant about making this story your own. And every one of us has something to share. Everybody has a story that you should be proud to tell. Um, Maybe not always, but sometimes if it takes a little bit of courage to say to someone else what's going on with you or what you've been going through, because we'd be quite inspired to learn from one another. A story is something that makes us deep and rich, and um, it's very generous of us to take the courage to give it away and to share it. So I want to start off and I read you guys a quote. Um, Flannery O'Connor wrote this. A story is a way to say something that can't be said in any other way. And it takes every word in that story to say what the meaning is. You tell a story because a statement would be inadequate. And when someone asks what a story is about, the only proper thing to tell them is to go ahead and read the story. So, if you have any relationship with me at all, and my family could attest to this, you might know that I cannot tell a quick story. I cannot leave a quick voice message if I've ever left you a voice message. I exceed the two-minute mark every single time because I have to tell you all the things. And so this drives my family crazy. But whenever I'm getting the vibe from one of my children or my beloved husband that, like, you need to get to the point now, and sometimes they'll even say that, like, 
come on, like, what's the point? If I get that look or somebody has the audacity to say that to me in my family, I immediately feel like my gift of story is done. You can write the own ending, your own ending. You can figure out all the rest of the details because I was just honoring you with this story and I was giving you all of these precious details and you shut me down. So you can go ahead and write it yourself. I didn't say I was mature. I just think I'm a very good storyteller. So here's, this is how it plays out. So I'll just give you a practical example and I'll be real fast. So this is how it plays out. So for Jeff, if I come home and the bottom line is, we're no longer having pot roast for dinner. That's all he needs to know, right? That's all he thinks he needs to know. So he's just like, okay, like move on. Like what's on ESPN? So, but for me, like I need him to know why we're not having pot roast for dinner, okay? And so I need him to know that when I went to Ingalls, it was pouring down rain. And when it was pouring down rain, I got out of the car with Roby and I slipped in the parking lot and I got my pants all wet. And then as I'm chasing after her into the store, it's really slick when you first walk into Ingalls. And so I wiped out yet again, and I have wet pants. My daughter, who's four, five, has run to the bakery, and she's already helped herself with the second cookie, the freebie. And so the bakery, all the workers are like looking like, where's this girl's mom? And I catch up to her, and I get kind of the look from the bakery workers. And then we rush um, out of there in shame, and we run to the, the meat department, and there's only one pot roast left. And I find it, and I find my way there, and I grab the pot roast. But then as I'm grabbing the pot roast, there's this woman over there, and she's, like, looking at me, and I don't, I know. And so I'm like, hey, uh, did you need a pot roast? And she's like, yes, in fact, tomorrow is my grandfather's 80th birthday. And his favorite dinner is pot roast. And I came to Ingalls. This is all I came to buy. And I really wanted that pot roast. And so in a moment of compassion, I gave the pot roast away to her. And she went on to celebrate her grandfather's birthday. And that is why we're not having pot roast for dinner. Like, that is it. Yes. But it's okay because I've meal prepped this week. And so we've got tofu scramble. We've got barbecue lentils. And we are good. So I need him to know why there's no pot roast. And I need to include every single one of those details so that he can appreciate the process that I went to, through to, to have that dinner that failed, okay? So you need to appreciate the people in your life that include all the details. Because one day I am going to solve like a murder mystery that no, no one else can solve. And I will find your wallet every time because I know where you put it. Because I can help you remember the details of why you left it under your pillow before you went to work. Like I know. So... I'm good. I'm good for that. So it should be of no surprise to you that when I would communicate what God has done for me and what my story is and what my faith journey has been, it should be not a shocker that that includes a lot of details. And sometimes when people want us to get to the bottom line, well, who is God to you? Or, or what is your faith story? And they just want a very quick version, like a two sentence, 30 second. I got to walk away. Like, I can't do that. And I feel like we're doing ourselves a disservice to try to sum up who God is to us and what he has done for us if we don't go through all of the details. It should be of no surprise that there is something about communicating God's story through our story, which is in, in essence the same. It should take time. It should take relationship. It should take not one cup of coffee, but many it should, not, it should not be rushed through because we're, none of us have come to the ending, right? Like we're all like living the story that, that we don't really know the ending of, 
but yet we're smack dab in the middle of it right now. Rachel Held Evans in her book, Inspired, she writes, when someone asks you, what is the gospel? The best response is, well, let me tell you a story. And at some point you will get to Jesus in that story and Jesus will change everything. And I would add on to that quote, the bottom line version skips through all those good details, all of the juicy details, the moments, the triumphs, the pain, and all of the beauty that's in between. And I love a good story because I am a good story, and so are you. Our scripture writers, they obviously love a good story. If you have taken time or Uh, moments to just comb through some of the exciting stories that are on these pages, you will discover detail after detail after detail, some that are shocking, some that are, you know, jaw-dropping, some that are emotional, some that are heartbreaking. And I feel like that was with intention so that it could grab our attention and it could pull us in so that we can recognize that not only is this story ours, It's a continuation of God's kingdom showing up here on earth. And it's a continuation of us being able to tell of his goodness and his mercy and his grace in the way that he shows up in our days. In 1 John chapter 1, I just love this description. um, And I think you'll catch on the beautiful details John describes in the firsthand experience of seeing who Jesus is. From the very first day, we were taking it in, taking it all in. We heard with our own ears. We saw with our own eyes, verified with our own hands. The word of life appeared right before our eyes. We saw it happen. And now we're telling you in most sober prose that what we witnessed was incredibly this. The infinite life of God himself took shape right before us. We saw it, we heard it, and now we're telling you so that you can experience it along with us. And this experience of communion with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ, our motive for writing is simply this, that we want you to enjoy it too. Your joy will double our joy. And my motive in sharing this story with you today is that not only that you would enjoy it like I do, because that would bring me joy, as John wrote, but that you would give yourself, just for even just this brief moment that we have together, the permission to see yourself in this story. The permission to see yourself in these words and among these pages and recognizing that, number one, like, our story is still being written. We are still unfolding and we are still learning how we move in this world. But that you would actually give yourself also permission to see that Jesus is as accessible to us right now as he was to those who saw him firsthand. That he's just as near as our breath. So what I want you guys to do in the next few moments is I want you to get comfortable, maybe find a way to not be distracted. But I'm going to ask you to kind of get into a listening position and I want to tell you a story. However you need to do that, um, I'm going to be reading a little bit more than what I would normally read, so I want you to get comfortable and to listen to the story. So let's imagine ourselves visitors in a small village in Galilee, just at the time Jesus was passing through. And a crowd has completely filled a house. An even bigger crowd surrounds the house, and people have crammed in every open window and door. 
We approach, but we can only hear a word or two. And so we ask a woman who's on the edge of the crowd, what is going on inside? And she whispers that inside the house, there is a rabbi that everybody wants to hear. And we ask, well, who is he? And she motions for us to follow her along the side. And she whispers, I'm Mary, and I come from Magdalena, a town not too far from here. And I don't want to disturb those who are trying to listen, so let me tell you what I know. When we get a stone's throw from the crowd, Mary whispers and explains that the rabbi inside is the son of a tradesman from Nazareth. And he has no credentials or status, or he doesn't have an army or any weapons. He's not of nobility or has any wealth. And he travels from village to village with a dozen of his close friends and a substantial number of women supporting him. And he teaches deep truths to peasants in Galilee. Look around, she says. We are poor. Many of us are unemployed and some of us are homeless. See, many of us are even disabled. And there are many women, uneducated women in the mix, just like me. People that are uneducated often cannot survive the times. So we are very hungry to learn. And wherever this rabbi goes, it's like free school for everyone, even a woman like me. Do you see why we love him? His kingdom is not like the regimes of the world. And he doesn't take up daggers or swords or spears. In fact, he heals the sick. He teaches the unschooled and inspires the downtrodden with hope. So no, I would not say that he's a rebel. And I wouldn't say that this is a revolution. But I would call it an uprising. It's an uprising of new learning. And it's an uprising of hope. So we look curious as Mary continues. And she says, according to Rabbi Jesus, Jesus, you, you cannot point to this land or to this region and say, okay, the kingdom of God is located here because it exists among us and it does not come crashing around like an army with force. It grows slowly and quietly under the surface, like the roots of a tree, like the yeast in a dough, like seeds in a soil. Our faith waters the seed and makes it grow. Do you see this? When people trust that it's true, they act upon it, and it becomes true. Our faith becomes true and beautiful when we water those seeds. Our faith makes it real. And you can see why this message is unlike anything that people here have ever heard before. You know, sometimes I think his message is crazy, like the crazy dream of poets or an artist, the fantasies of children at play. But then I ask myself the question, what other message could possibly change the world. Perhaps what is truly crazy is what we are trying to do instead, right? Thinking that maybe a little more hate could conquer hate. Thinking a little more war could cure war. Thinking that more pride could overcome our pride. Thinking that revenge could surely cure the revenge. Maybe more gold could cure our greed. A little more division could just create that cohesion. Mary is silent for a moment. And she is lost in her thoughts again. But yet she turns to us and she says, What about you? Are you beginning to believe in this story too? Do you trust him? That's a particular question, right? Do you trust him? It's not the same as believing that he existed for sure. And it's not the same as just saying, I believe in certain doctrines about him. 
It's a question about commitment, about confidence. For Jesus, the call to trust him was closely linked to the call to follow him. And if we truly trust him, well, we will be on a road walking right there with him, imitating him, learning from his example, living by his way. Because his message was so radical on so many levels that believing and following cannot be treated lightly. They are costly and they require us to rethink everything. They change the course of our lives for sure. So in this moment, Mary leans forward and she whispers, you know, often when he heals someone, he says, it is your faith that has healed you. So there it is again. With him, faith is right where it begins. When you believe, you make it real. And in this moment, she points to her head and she says, when you change this, and then she points to her heart and she says, and you change this, then you can change this. And she extends her arms and she points to everything. And we hear in her words a summons and a challenge, a life-giving invitation. Do we dare step out and follow Jesus? Do we dare step out and make the road by starting to walk? To risk everything for an uprising of peace, an uprising of generosity, an uprising of forgiveness, an uprising of the ultimate love. If we believe, we make it real. If you believe the story that you're walking in with God in hand, you make it real. So the question after listening to that story with Mary would be for me, what is it that makes our faith take root? I mean, what is it that takes that story from pages of a book or pages on the stand that makes that real for how we live today and tomorrow and next week and next year? What needs to happen to make walking with Jesus as real as Mary's firsthand account, watching him up close and personal. You see, I believe that faith only takes root when we're willing to open, and that's an action, and to remain open, and to do that again and again and again and again. If you've ever gotten the impression that a faith journey is a one-and-done moment, that is not reality. And there is an active commitment of transformation. That's something to write down or to remember. There is an active commitment to transformation. Where we get comfortable in the place where we are not okay if we're far from our source of love. If, or we are not doing what we are intended or created to be a part of because we have forgotten that it, it requires us to do something. Willing to remain open and open and reopen. That's a quality of humility. That's a quality of vulnerability. That's a quality of saying, okay, where, where am I at fault here? Where do I need God to come in and to heal me so that I can in turn tell a stronger and a more uh, effective story? When we recognize faith as a practice, that's action, and we see it as a story that we are telling it, it almost is essential for us to take the time 
to comb through and let our fingers touch every single detail. All the details that we might want to avoid, the details that we might want to not want to speak of. But when it requires that kind of action, we're going to get more comfortable in our own skin and we're going to be able to tell the things that God has done for us. In Hebrews chapter 11, I want to read you guys a story of beautiful faith. Starting in verse 1, and this is in the message translation. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors and set them above the crowd. By faith, we see the world called into existence by God's word. What we see created by what we don't see. By an act of faith, Abel brought a better sacrifice to God than Cain. And it, and it was what he believed, not what he brought that made the difference. That's what God noticed and approved as righteousness. And all these centuries later, that belief continues to catch our notice. By an act of faith, Enoch skipped death completely. They looked all over for him and they couldn't find him because God had taken him. And we know on the basis of reliable testimony that before he was taken, it was said he pleased God. It's impossible, for, it's impossible to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe both that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to those who seek him. By faith, Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. He was warned about something he couldn't see, and he acted on what he was told. The result? His family was saved. His act of faith drew a sharp line between the evil of unbelieving in the world and the righteousness of the believing world. And as a result, Noah became intimate with God. By an act of faith, Abraham said yes to God's call to travel to an unknown place that would become his home. And we left, he had no idea where he was going. But by an act of faith, he lived in the country promised him, lived as a stranger, camping in tents. Isaac and Jacob did the same, living under the same promise. Abraham did it by keeping his eye on the unseen city and real external foundations. I'm sorry, internal foundations. The city designed and built by God. The fundamental fact of existence is that this type of trust, that this type of faith in God is the firm foundation under everything that makes our life worth living. And sometimes there's a disconnect and sometimes that's really hard to see, especially if church and faith and religion has been something else to you. And there are loads of answers for what that can be. And somehow the fragmented picture of who God is was passed down to some of us. Many, some of us still carry that same image today. I would challenge you and I would encourage you to think about that picture being restored as an act of faith. That those images of brokenness and, you know, hurt and pain and, and anything that might be connected to what faith and religion has represented. I would say to you that that can be healed. And that can be whole. So something that I feel true about our current civilization is that we are probably the most over-informed, under-reflective civilization in all of human history. And I, I mean, I, we could argue about that, but I, I think that that's true. I think we have loads of information 
we have sources of information. We have flashes of information. We have, we have information from all, all different angles. And on some levels, that's wonderful because we are a learning people. But if we take information that has been given to us and we never take that internally and begin to reflect on who we are and where we've come from and what the details of our story represent, as long as there is a disconnect there, we miss out on what we have truly been designed to communicate to this world. The story that we've been given to share. The road that we've been given to walk on. Sometimes I imagine that we, like, we want the easiest way to easy. You know, like, how do I get there? What do I need to do? What gets me to heaven? <laughs> what, what do I need to have relationship with God? Okay, I, okay, check it off, check it off, check it off. I did it. But ironically, and certainly very counterculture to this particular time and day, the development of faith should in fact be intentionally slow. It should have no end in sight. Those of you that like to cross the finish line, that's very terrifying to think about. It should have no end in sight. The genuine process of transformation is not about becoming who we aren't or who we wish we could be. It's unveiling who we've always been right from the start. The most beautiful thing about uncovering and unveiling our truest and deepest selves with every layer that we take the time to peel back and to uncover, we actually challenge the lie that covered it up in the first place. Faith becomes ours and it becomes a very detailed story of us as we learn to keep peeling back those layers in order to reach inside of us what has been there all along. Our truest self. Our God self, that's what I would define it as. A favorite reminder from the book, The Shack, which is a book I read years and years and years ago. And if you don't know the backstory of why he wrote that book, like, please, I want to tell you about it. I don't have time to tell you about it right now or read up on it. It is quite phenomenal. Um, it, it was not ever intended to be this commercialized thing that it, it came to be. So there's a very pure and very beautiful story behind why he wrote that book. But this, this particular quote is one that I have written down in my journal, and I go back to and I look at all the time. And he writes, Pain has a way of clipping our wings and keeping us from being able to fly. And if it's unresolved for too long, we almost forget that we were created to fly in the first place. When we have forgotten that we were created to fly, our faith cannot move, it cannot be grown, it cannot deepen, and our stories can't spread. Do you realize that your story, the one that you have, that's uniquely yours, that the intention that you have, that the reason why you have it is for it to, to be spread, believe it or not? The reason why you have it is that, that you can speak it out loud and that you can touch somebody that might be hurting, that you can share your personal experiences and that you can say, I was there, I, I, I moved through it and, and God walked with me. I believe that it is possible and that it is arguably necessary for Christians to move from defining faith as a system of beliefs to expressing our stories in the way that we live a loving way of life. When we define our faith as merely a system of beliefs, Christianity becomes something that we're tethered to. It becomes a locked door that we're closed behind and it's something that's containing us, stalling our growth, 
But outside a system of beliefs, if you can imagine, faith, a real faith, a genuine grounded faith, it can be a force of freedom. It can be a force of liberation. It can be a force of healing. Brian McLaren writes, and he's the author of the book that we've been walking through, our faith is not a belief that dogmas or moral opinions are always true, but faith is knowing that God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, are and always will be accessible to us and that they're even on our side. Jesus was able to reach out and touch people and heal people who trusted that he was sent by God to them as love, right? And Jesus can do the same thing in our everyday, in our here and now. He can reach that close to us too, being the light that is in our darkness, being the peace that we cannot explain, being a love that that is indescribable, being the new mercy and the grace that we don't deserve, but that we are given just the same. Those are matters of faith. Sometimes getting up close to the details of the story of God makes it more and more real to us. And I would say that taking the time to get up close to the details of who you are will make your, in a weird way, it makes you more and more real to you. It makes you more and more real to this world. And it makes you move in a way that you're actually able to influence and touch and and to share all that God has given you to to give to the people that are around you. I'm going to ask the the band to come up. um, And as I get ready to close... So what I would say, a question that I would maybe have you think about, or a statement that I would have you think about, can it be said of you, if somebody was to look at your life and to kind of give an overview, a snapshot from either away or up close, could it be said of you that you have faith, that you believe in something, that you believe in God, that you trust him? that you trust him for your life, that you trust him for your, your days, that you follow him. Because trusting and believing that he existed are two different things, as Mary said in her story. Having lots of information but not reflecting on who we are is sometimes giving us this deficit where we're largely incomplete, where we have the potential to be complete in him. I want you guys to think about something. The band is going to maybe begin to play. Um, We're going to go into a time and just have a a couple songs of reflection. But I want to ask you guys to do something, a little exercise before we do this, okay? And then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about it at the end before we go. So what I want to... Sorry, I got distracted because Liz plays the guitar so beautifully. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about that you are creating kind of an imaginary shield. So if you are a construction kind of mind, maybe you're building it. Maybe if you're a kind of a artistic or, or maybe you have zero artistic ability and you're drawing like a pencil sketch here. Okay. So everybody have their own version. I want you to imagine that you're creating a shield, a two-sided shield. And it's something that you're going to kind of hold up in front of you. And on the outside, I want you to think of things that would be seen by the world. So that you would walk around and it would be on the outside of you and people could see, okay, 
that that's a, a woman. She she's a mother. Um, okay, she has she's you know enjoys vegetables. I don't know whatever whatever people might know about you or perceive about you on the outside. It could be your job. It could be your your um, you know your family. It could be your hobbies, your interests. So that's what you're going to put on the outside of the shield. Okay. Everybody kind of got that? On the inside of the shield, the flip side, the side that's close to you, the side that you would be maybe holding, I want you to think about things that are not known about you. I want you to think about parts of your story that maybe you're not comfortable to say out loud, or maybe they're, very, they're just far too personal that you could never flip that around. Like it has, you kind of have to hold it. So it's like this two-sided shield. They're very personal details about your story. So what we're going to do with that image, and the band is going to lead us in just a couple of songs, and I'm going to come back and kind of hopefully tie that together for your thoughts. But what I want you to do with that image, and as we sing, and whether you want to stand and sing or just reflect upon that, there are so many pieces about who we are that we hold here that are not out here, Sometimes they're, they're so painful or they're so personal or they're so um, intimate that it's intimidating to think about where they, where they are or like what we do with them. Like, because obviously we're not going to just stand up and talk, start talking about them. What, what do we do with that piece of us? So when, as, as the band begins to sing and you listen to the words and whether you stand and sing, I, I want you to hold that image and I want you to ask God to kind of speak to your heart about the two kind of flip sides of your story. Okay? A little bit of homework. So the band is going to start to sing and however you feel comfortable to respond. But hold that image and then we'll kind of come back and wrap up everything together. So now what I want to invite you to do is as you have that image of the shield that you had pictured, I want you to imagine that there is no barrier between what you hold here and what is on the flip side, what people might see. So the image I want you to think about now is how God sees that story of yours, that the two sides are actually intermeshed, that they're touching, that they're interwoven. They're not separated by a barrier. They're not separated by, uh, you know, a, a an article or something that's blocking them. But as God looks at the story that you are living and the story that you're telling, he actually sees that shield as a connected shield. He actually sees those stories, the pieces that are close, that are intimate, that are the hard ones or the the very secret private ones that are dear and near and and rightfully so. You know, those are cherished for a reason. But he actually gets this picture of each one of us, and and all of those details come together. And those are the details of your story. That is how God sees each one of us. He sees our lives fully and completely, and all the angles, and all the things that we may not want to advertise or, or share with the world. But what I would say with that different picture, just seeing it more of as a translucent shield, where there are no sides, but there's this connection, that that would be the the challenge today, that there is time 
worth putting into making the parts of your life and making those pieces come together. Because there isn't a side of you that God sees differently or that he loves less than or that he would rather do without, believe it or not. He doesn't look at you and think, oh, I really wish they would get rid of this, this, and this, and then I'll love them well. The way that he loves us well is as we stand right now. And so my challenge in kind of taking that image with you is that I really believe that we have this tremendous privilege to share the stories that we've been given. And if you're anything like me, you cannot get to the bottom line. You're going to start off, you know, when I was five years old and I was, you know, doing this and this and my grandparents would talk to me about God. I'm going to tell you those details because that has brought me to where I am today. And there have been moments that I've walked away from faith and that I've come back to faith and that I've rediscovered God and that I've rediscovered who he is to me. And that has looked a lot different over the, the years. And now that I'm 40, I mean, you know, um, I, I just had a birthday this week. But I do feel like I've kind of walked through some decades with God. And I've been, I can say that. I feel like he's been a part of my story for a really long time. And I feel like he's a part of yours, but it looks different for each one of us. So I would love for you to stand, and we're going to pray together. And then we're going to go eat some great barbecue, because that's, you know, important too. Will you pray with me? God, thank you so much for this opportunity that we have, the freedom that we have to gather in this space uh, with new faces and old faces and friends and family. And I just, I pray that, that as we move today, as we go in different directions and we head out from here, that we would take that image of our lives and, and the details uh, of that shield, you know, the, the outside and the inside, the things that, are, that make us who we are, and I pray that you would give us moments of reflection this week where we would actually see those details connecting. That they are, they are not separate stories. They are not meant to, to be disconnected, but they're, they're meant to be reflected upon. And they're meant to, to be um, seen as ways that God has shaped our stories and, at, and that as he continues to do that. And I pray that we would um, look for moments to be light to the people around us, that we would find opportunities where we could share who you are and, and the love that you've given us in different ways. And I pray that we would be challenged to continue to comb through and examine the details that make us exactly who we are, that we would learn to be proud of that, that we would learn to celebrate um, the journeys that we're on and that we're we can continue to be on. We thank you for this day, and we just we pray all these thoughts in your name, and um, we just ask that you go before us, that you keep us well, um, and that you help us uh, share the light and the love and the grace, the things that you have given to us, that we would be free to give that to others as well. We love you so much, and we're grateful for this opportunity to be challenged in our thinking and our thoughts and our journeys. And we pray that you would be with us today. In your name we pray, Lord. Amen.